No, we didn't get angry at each other, so we have to stay separate. Um, had a great time traveling together. Uh, um, and we're going to show you some of that. Um, we're going to show you uh, three things. We're going to give you a tour of Greece that we saw, a tour of the school where Helen works, and a tour of the ministries that we visited and 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 if and and then uh, and then I want to share uh, some uh, some truth from God's word to kind of help you uh, maybe wrap that into something you can take home today. For those of you that are new in our church, uh, Jim, who is a member of the board, and I went to visit Helen Steele. Helen is a Greek national who is also an American citizen, and uh, she's lived here more than she's lived in Greece, actually. But she discovered a ministry a number of years ago in Athens called the Greek Bible College. And she discovered it while she was visiting uh, her parents who uh, live there. Her dad is with the Lord now, but mom is still there. And has, she has some other relatives in Athens as well. And she discovered this ministry and started volunteering um, for a period of time. And now she's basically there full time. She comes home for a month at a time here and there, and and she spends most of her time in Greece. The Lord has uniquely prepared her for this ministry because she's a Greek national. She has a work card, which means she doesn't need a visa. I don't think you can get into Greece as a missionary and get a missionary visa today. You can get in for three months at a time. Uh, Then you have to leave the country every so often and come back. Um, but because she has a Greek work card, she can go and do as she pleases, and uh, it's completely legal and so on. Because of the uniqueness of her situation, we are her primary sending organization. She doesn't have a lot of churches that help support her. Most of her support comes from us and a few other folks. And uh, there's nobody else out there, if you will, looking out for her except us. And so we went to see uh, what the ministry is like, what the condition of the church in Greece is, and uh, try to learn how we can uh, support her better. We're not going to talk a lot about how we might get more involved today. We'll be talking about that as time goes by. But we just want to talk to you about, we want to show you what we saw and then maybe uh, help you to understand uh, how the ministry works and the concept of that. Let's go ahead and turn the lights off. And uh, the first thing that we're going to try to do is... uh, is take you to Greece, and we'll go from there. Forward, backward, and a laser pointer. has about 11 million people. Check. The, the city of Athens has 5 million of those. And qu- quite surprisingly, uh, the country of Greece is actually getting about 80 or 90% of the refugees for all of Europe coming through, through Greece, and about a million of them are still living in, in uh, the city of Athens. 
I guess it's me now. Huh? Maybe. Yep. Can you give him the first picture now? Just wait. There you go. Indeed. Well, our, our very first day there, uh, Helen took us to a uh, museum. My my brother-in-law, Jamie, is not here, but he actually is, and my sister are dedicated marathon runners. And uh, so I jogged about 20 yards on the original marathon route, just so I could say that. And uh, th this is near the start of that. Uh, one of the famous generals that won the battle and uh, sent his runner off to tell them of their victory. So we're helping hold back the Persians, can you uh, tell? Absolutely. Yeah, you're going to have to help me out. This is a mass grave next to that site uh, from that original battle. And again, this is several thousand years old. One of the things that's really amazing in a place like Greece that we don't appreciate here is any place you scratch the earth, there's a thousand years of history underneath it. I mean, this is a mass grave in the middle of an olive orchard uh, from, a bat from the Battle of Marathon. It's not working, so you're going to have to help me out. Yeah. Uh, indeed. Quick, turn the pick now. <laughs> we enjoyed one, about 20 minutes in the, in the Mediterranean or the Aegean Sea, and uh, that was Dave's comment was by the time he got up to about his thighs was he was ready to have surgery without anesthesia. It was so cold. <laughs> so, indeed. Go ahead. There you go. <laughs> No pride. <laughs> Indeed. And this is a week ago Saturday. We're standing in the Mediterranean Ocean. That's right. And yesterday, I'm, I'm by, by my wood stove with a blanket on, you know. <laughs> Indeed. There you go. That's the, that's the Greek coastline right next to where we were in the ocean. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, there you go. It, it was amazing. One of the one of the big contrasts for me was we're essentially in a, in a modern European country, and yet many things were much like the third world. Um, and even even th throughout the countryside, right in the middle of the city, anywhere you're going, all of, all of trees everywhere. Um, I was a lack of different kinds of trees. I think I only counted maybe four or five different kinds of trees while I was there, and just olive trees everywhere. And this was a, a, hard to picture it, but that, that tree is probably more than six feet wide. I don't think I could reach from side to side. Um, I, I wouldn't guess how old it is, but they have trimmed off the top hundreds and hundreds of times probably, and just a really, really thick olive tree. Uh, again, at one of the first museums that Dave and I went to, and uh, a gravestone that, again, just <coughs> very different from an American museum. We, we had sort of a, a person that followed us through and was an archaeologist and, and couldn't find a job doing anything else and was very interested in about America and finding a job. And she walked us through, but you can, there's no glass panels, there's no red lasers, it's just walk through, and if you want to touch it, touch it. And when was the it. last time you went to a museum and, and somebody's job was archaeologist? Indeed. I mean, it's a whole, it's somebody else w was studying for that, it's a whole field of, of work over there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah v various uh, forms of disrepair. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Again, some of the just ancient, ancient things. This, this was a, uh, the actual burial ground where they had dug up many of these things. And uh, a relatively new new site they uh one section of it they didn't even let us take pictures because the the word that they had discovered some ancient egyptian things wasn't out to the public yet and uh um, fascinating place uh you know part of it is it's a bunch of old stuff but they uh <laughs> also just to think that for thousands of years that uh sort of that reminder of the fr fragility of life and uh, also that people are trying to hang on so tightly to what they had thousands of years ago and how often do we do that as well. And, uh... Cats and dogs in many places that you wouldn't expect them. Indeed. I mean, this is right outside this museum. This is some ancient thing. And there's a cat hanging out. We went up on the Acropolis. You'll see a picture of dogs laying around. Just laying there sunning themselves. Oh, like, yeah. What is that? I don't know. This is the Temple of Poseidon. It's at the southernmost part of the, the mainland peninsula. Here's Dave in the, the subway wrestling one of the many statues. <laughs> and, uh, again, for the Olympics back in 2004, they had, they had uh, dug a subway system underneath Athens. Uh, and it was fairly deep underground, but even in those places, they, they uh, discovered old stuff everywhere underground. This is one of those things that was probably, a, I don't know, 50 feet underground, and, mm -hmm. and here was a, a cistern and an ancient dwelling and, an, and a river underground as well. It's a big, it's a big water pipe, probably a five-foot diameter inside mm -hmm. that's from ancient time. They, and they, what's interesting is in the subway station, this is in the subway station, this is just like you're walking along, getting the train. You can go over here and see the stuff that's thousands of years old. They left it right in its dug condition so you can see. You know, here when we have, when they discover Indian artifacts, they have to stop and uh, recover all of that. There, it's just all of this kind of stuff that they find every time they dig. In fact, right behind the school, somebody is trying to build a building, and they started digging for the foundation or the basement, and they found some artifacts, so they had to stop the construction and wait to uh, get the artifacts all recovered. This was one of the main Greek Orthodox churches in downtown Athens. Fortunately, we were there in the off-tourist season because it was a fa fairly large number of people, but according to Helen, it was not nearly as crowded as it can be. This was, uh, again... Uh, Third world, a little bit different in that they had, there was the, the, the tourist shops and there's the leather shops and the jewelry shops all in sections. And, and then there was the food court, which was essentially all the restaurants all lined up in a row. And, and you walk down the middle of the restaurants and, and the, the waiters are out there in front asking you to come on inside and showing you the menu as you're walking by. And uh, enjoyed some very delicious food with Ellen. Busy crowded subways underneath the city. That was uh, one, of the, one of the main forms of transportation just to fight the traffic in downtown. When, when we were standing in line, if, if you've never been to a uh, country other than America, when, when you stand in line here, we give people a little space like that. Other countries, they're, they're right up on you. And so we were waiting in line with all those hundreds of people you saw before, 
and I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling this, I'm, and I'm thinking, you know, it's, we, my wife and I call it third world crowding, and, and that's just what, what it is. And so I kind of moved away, give him a little more space, and it kind of kept going. And pretty soon I realized that gal was about to pick my wallet right out of my pocket. She got the button undone, and, and <laughs> just in time I put my hand down there, and off she went. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Greece. <laughs> Indeed. As a second grade teacher, that's all about walking in nice, straight lines. This was, uh, I can't tell you how many times I left six inches of room and people cut me off and pushed in the train. So. Same thing with cars, too. Yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> okay, just stop for a minute. We're going to read Greek, okay? The top row is Greek, bottom row is English. Can you see the similarity? <laughs> Do you know, can you pronounce the top word if you put an X in the second position? Exodus. <laughs> it's the Exodus. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, our, our first evening, we went into downtown Greece, and this was in the background behind us is the Acropolis, and they have it lit up in, at, at nighttime. And uh, again, one of the ancient temples there in the foreground. Uh, another picture looking up at the, the Acropolis, which Acropolis is, essentially means a, a fortified position, and so you can have multiple Acropolises around the world. And uh, the, this one in, in Athens, then they had several temples on top of it. And uh, we're parked next to the renovated, being renovated Portuguese... Uh, Spanish. Uh, it was a Spanish, oh. thank you. Yeah. And, uh, Spanish Embassy. There you go. And we're very fortunate to find parking so close. There, there's our, our tour guide and taxi driver, Helen. Where's Lydia? She did an awesome job. <laughs> and uh, again, the Acropolis in the background. The, uh, the temple on top, the main temple, is the Temple of Athena. And uh, here we are on a pile of rocks. And... Uh, in uh, in Acts 17, it actually uses the word Areopagus, and and the translation of that in English is Mars Hill, and this was where Paul reasoned with uh, some of the learned men there in Athens, and where where he talked about used the concept of the t saw the temple of the unknown God and was essentially sharing the gospel with them. And I, I have to say. The longer I was there, the more I, I understood how he felt a little bit. Every place I went to buy a, a tourist thing, you know, uh, it had a picture of, of these temples. And I thought, I am not going to buy stuff that idolizes Greek gods. After a while, I just realized all, everything they're about is the, uh, what, what we refer to as Greek mythology and their system of gods. Um, it's just that's what their whole history is about. Yeah, that that was one of the striking points to me as well. You can look back for thousands of years at, at um, essentially their their idol worship, and yet even in modern in modern Greece, the, the idol worship is still there, whether it's materialism or or whatever it is. But to have it just so striking there in front of you, you know. Uh, in the form of, of ancient temples and buildings was pretty amazing. Uh, again, another view uh, of the temples on top of the Acropolis. 
And they're in a constant state of uh, repair, not because they're falling down, but because they're finding more and more. There, there were piles of ancient rubble, if you will, where, where these things have been ruined by armies in the past, and they're still putting things back together like a giant jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, I think some of the... Uh, one of the times when some army had come through that, that the, uh, the people there in Athens had, had buried much of those pieces or they had included those pieces in the building of their own houses. And so a lot of the renovation was exactly that, finding old pieces and trying to put the puzzle back together again. Uh, again, this is up on top of the hill looking south. You can just off to the distance on the top left see the Mediterranean Sea back there and, and the city of Athens stretches 360 degrees all the way around you. Let's kind of go through these More guys. temples. Yeah. There's the, the steps up to Mars Hill. Um, another view of the city, the Acropolis off to the right side. I guess he Helen was born just at the base of that hill in the background. Uh, some of the ancient buildings in the foreground and the city of Athens around. Again, five million <laughs> people, a large city. Can you see how far the city stretches? <laughs> And when you go over one of those hills to the south, it's, there's more suburbs from there. And hard to sort of picture that when we look at American cities. You know, you fly over Los Angeles and you watch it stretch out. You're looking at single house dwellings that are a story or two stories tall. You're, you're looking at this stretching out to the horizon and everything is four to five to eight stories tall. I mean, it's apartment buildings and just lots yeah. of people. Uh, another view. one of the museums that's been redone. Uh, this was right right at the foot of the Acropolis, and I guess certain times of the year they still do put on plays in this there. Just kind of keep clicking. There you go. This is Mars Hill in the background. They actually had text from Acts chapter 17 on the, on the plaque there. Uh, top of Mars Hill. This was... <laughs> The, the sleeping dogs. <laughs> Lots of dogs and cats in the city. Stray one's pretty amazing. This was breakfast at uh, one of the local bakeries. And I don't know if there's a shot in there of, of, of I don't the, think the counters is. in the background, but pretty amazing Marvelous, bakery. marvelous bakeries <laughs> on every corner, on every corner. That is the one thing where they're ahead of us on right there. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yes. This is the... Probably a, a half a block from the school is the Greek Orthodox Church in in the town where the where the Bible Institute is. And uh, surprised by how small it is, serves a large city. But Helen says most people don't ever go to church, and only on special occasions. And, and uh... Uh, this was interesting to me: the police ride two on a motorcycle. Um, never in this country would you find that. And and I don't quite know if those were. Are those BMWs? I couldn't tell for our motorcycle riding friends, but but uh, we didn't see them do too much police work, but we saw them riding around a lot. Indeed, indeed. Enjoying some ice cream. They actually had an ice cream shop. Yeah, there you go. Helen's favorite ice cream shop. Helen's favorite ice cream. And, of course, had to make sure that Big Macs taste the same in Athens as they do here in America. And we do they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> A Big Mac tastes the same in every country in which it's made, and uh, that is one little source of consolation. I told this manager here, I said, I have breakfast at McDonald's every day of the week. She said, no, 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 you must eat breakfast at your home. Do not go to McDonald's. 
she, she was very vocal in his, her admonishment of him. Yes, she was. Now, I'm not sure if she's holding it in her hand. I, f- I forgot to bring it with me. You can barely see right next to the French fries. They gave me a little fork about that long with little teeny prongs on it. And I asked her, what is this for? What's this for? And she just laughed and laughed at me. Finally, a few days later, uh, one of the students who was driving us around, I, I said, uh, you gave me this little fork. And he goes, it's for the French fries. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Here's the intersection right before the school. And again, the, the road, the main road that the school is on is the original, uh, it's the Marathon Road. And, uh, and they still run marathons on it. They do. Yeah. They do indeed. There is a statue of the original Marathon Man. And uh, it's about a half a block from the school. Yeah. Here's, here's the front entrance of the school, the parking lot on the right. The building that you see there is the, the girls' dormitory. And the Greek flag and, and the, the European, called, the, European, the European Union. Union flag. Thank you. This is a plaque dedicated on one of the buildings. There, for me at least, some some amazing connections. There's, there, from what one of the people said, there was one Greek missionary in all of the country of of, of Greece that was sent overseas, and he happened to be go to Indonesia, and were friends of my parents growing up, uh, the McCreese family, and he has since passed away. And this is a, a plaque on one of the buildings, but I got to see his three of his sons and their families and, and just make a great sort of weird Indonesia connection in Greece while we were there. So, uh, again, the parking lot of the school. The, uh, the building behind the trees there is, is the main, the library and most of the classrooms and the chapel building in there. And off to the right, it was built as a garage but is now the cafeteria where you actually follow the driveway down below. Uh, here we are at the front entrance, the Greek Bible College. Inside the library, there's the, uh, go ahead, Dave. The, uh, the man who's speaking there on, on the right side is the president of the school, and he's also one of the teachers. He's given them some instruction about how to use the library, that sort of thing. They, they have two programs there. They have an alpha program that's in English, and they have about 10 students, American students, that, that essentially do a study abroad for a year. And then they have, depending on the year, 30 or 40 students that do a three-year program in, in Greek. Helen and Dave holding some oranges from an orange tree in the middle of November. <laughs> this is the, the building that Dave and I stayed in upstairs. This is one of the families that teaches there, and, and downstairs some guest rooms, and in the basement was the cafeteria. They have a sport court, and I managed one day to get handily beaten by some Greek basketball players, <laughs> and uh, w- one of the days that I was there, my, I don't know if anybody else will appreciate this, but uh, putting together um, bookshelves or you know stuff from Walmart that's the prefab stuff is, is often test my patience, and, uh, <laughs> and so the, the many years that I've been doing that in our household, I finally got to travel all thousands of miles to Greece and put together a giant bookshelf from Ikea for one of the ladies there and uh, <laughs> used some of the tools, and, and I managed to do it without having a bad attitude. So, uh, this is a plot of land where they're planning to build a new building. You, if you want to tell them details about that. The Greek, uh, the Greek 
nation is being forced by the European Union into religious diversity and uh, into accepting private colleges and some things like that. And so they've created some standards. uh, And so this used to be called a Bible Institute. Now it's called a Bible College. But they have to meet some government standards to to jump through those hoops to, to be acknowledged. And the government came and looked at the land where they're sitting and they said, well, this isn't zoned for, a, for an administration building. It's only zoned for education. And so they have to go on the other side of the parking lot and build an administration building on land that's acceptable to have an administration building in order to keep their location now. And so that's what they're going to do. <laughs> These are some of the ministries that we visited and Helen participates in them from time to time as she has time and, and whatnot. Again, I was very surprised to hear that there's a million refugees in the city of Athens, and this particular place called the Oasis has an, an Iranian pastor uh, preaching in Farsi and pr- predominantly working with uh, refugees from Afghanistan. And the uh, people would show, show up for a hot meal and preaching the word, and then they'd get a small bag of groceries on their way out. And, and they're also teaching them uh, some English. Uh, you see some words in the background. They have an English lesson. English is still the international language, even in Greece. Um, if you don't speak Greek, you can speak English and get by a little bit. Uh, um, certainly we did. I didn't feel uncomfortable with that at all. I think I got a couple pictures out of order there. Sure. So. One, of the, one of the dorm rooms for the students there sharing a bathroom. This is the cafeteria. Again, people from all over Europe. Jim had his birthday I, while we were there. Go back to that. That's, I did. The very first night we were there is when we went to visit the McCree's family, which is his friends from Indonesia. And uh, one of, well, there, two of the sons are involved in a ministry called Hellenic Ministries. That's, a, that's another way to refer to Greece, uh, if you will, Hellenic. And... Uh, um, they have multiple, I, I would equate it to something like a campus crusade or a youth for Christ. They have multiple kinds of ministries going on in, in different places. And uh, we went to their house to visit and to, uh, for them to talk Indonesia and old times. And, uh, and, uh, they, and Helen brought a birthday cake and we celebrated Jim's birthday. There you go. That's Helen, obviously, and, and a lady who's working in the country of Israel. Uh, there was the Oasis, the ministry with refugees from Afghanistan Uh, a beautiful Afghan baby here's here's another look of the school look in the other direction down down the driveway to the cafeteria the reason the cafeteria is in the basement is another government requirement cafeteria was next to the kitchen duh but the government came in and said you can't have a cafeteria in the same you can't have Oh, they had the library in the basement. And they said, you can't have a library in the basement. So they had to put the cafeteria in the basement and bring the library up to meet some other government requirement. To our way of thinking, it doesn't make sense. But Just keep going. Yeah. This is the, the Boy Scouts of Greece. <laughs> oh. This is an... an illegal picture in one of the museums. I was chastised for taking a picture. uh, There you go. 
again, some of the artifacts from around the Acropolis. Mm. Uh, got to eat. Uh, amazingly expensive in Europe was the food <laughs> and just about everything else. I think what did we gas we figured was seven or eight dollars a gallon and and uh, yeah yeah everything was very expensive. Uh, this was uh, another ministry, one of the probably one of the most. I don't know what the word for it is, but basically this is a ministry that works with, with drug addicts uh, in downtown Athens. And uh, Dave, Dave preached a great message there, and I got to go in a van and go try and round up some drug addicts. And, and uh, literally. Literally. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't know the full story, but there was some police violence at some point back in the 70s at the universities in Athens. And so they've set up zones by the universities where the police are not allowed to go. And so essentially they've turned into havens for just about every kind of sin you can think of. And uh, we drove down there and and one of the saddest places I've ever seen probably. And uh, just hopeless and lost people. And we actually got convinced three guys to get in the van and drive back for a hot meal and listen to Dave preach. So, and, uh, again, a couple of Iranian fellows that are working at that particular ministry. Um, Did some singing and uh, ate some cold hot dogs, and uh, and then they they've got to preach and uh, I don't think I'll bother Scott, but they've got to use you as an example even in his preaching. And it was for me sitting back there to think, you know, that that God's using the experiences of our church and hard things to to minister to people people over there. It was it was a great thing. This was potluck after after their church on Sunday, and looked surprisingly like we would have here. Great food. Uh, some of the students, some delicious food. This was after. This was the leftovers. So <laughs> there was much more there beforehand. And, uh, this was a, a group again, people from all over the world in Athens, and this was a group of, of Indonesians that. Uh, Dave, Dave actually, we went to a memorial service for a missionary there and saw this group sitting in the back of the room and I walked over and listened to him for about 30 seconds and thought, yep, that's Indonesian and started talking to him and they all sat up surprised that this white guy was going to talk to him in the middle of Athens in Indonesian. Huh. Uh, play that video, please. Does that sound familiar? That was the church we went to last week. <laughs> Looks about like when we have kids sing here, doesn't it? That's right. And we've got two more little videos. One. Uh...
I play that for you just to give you a feel of what it's like to listen to a sermon where you have a preacher and, as they like to say, an interrupter. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> it's very challenging to speak in that setting because I'm, I'm, you have to be very aware of not using American idioms of expression and so you and you think about words and and now how easy it will it be for him to take this English word and convert it into Greek, and so if you were to watch this at length, as I'm sure Jim could attest, there's a fair amount of me. I mean, I can get into machine gun mode here and I can just rattle it off, but you cannot do that when you're preaching with an, inter- an interpreter. <laughs> you have to say, okay, how what word? And for instance, in the uh, and for that matter, even Bible words, the the text that I preached out of. Uh, to the drug addicts is, uh, was Second Peter 1, 3 through 4, where he says, we have escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Well, the word corruption can mean political corruption, monetary corruption, but what the word in Greek, what the word in Greek means, of all things, is it means decay or it means ruin. And so I had to change words, and that goes on the whole time you're preaching, so it makes it a little bit challenging. This is the one that I really want you to see, though, here. Open your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 10. You turn me down just a little bit, please, Chet. Um, I want you to keep, uh, kind of keep that gal's image in your mind because I'm going to refer to her in a minute here. And if you want to think about the kind of fruit that is coming from the Bible college, you could also look at her husband, Dominic, who is British. Dominic wasted his young adult years in drug addiction. And then I don't know if he got saved first and then clean or if he got clean and then saved. But somehow he got clean and he got saved and he came to the Greek Bible College to to learn God's word. And after he was there for uh, a year or two, he became the staff member for maintenance. And and now he and Viorica, or Vicky as uh, he refers to her, uh, live on the campus. And I'll tell you about her ministry in just a minute. Um, I wanted to share with you briefly, though, how the ministry works from Romans 10, verses 8 through 17. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? 
As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I, I just want to give you three words to write on your paper, and uh, you'll forgive me for not having prepared notes and a prepared PowerPoint today. Um, that's due in part to my schedule and some other people's as well. But there's three words I want you to write down from this passage. And the first one would be the word senders. And then put a little line and then the word preachers. And then a little line and the word believers. Those should all be in one line across your paper. Senders, preachers, believers. This scripture here says people cannot believe without a preacher. Now, it doesn't mean a preacher like a professional like me. It means the word preach in the scripture means to proclaim, to proclaim the truth. People cannot come to faith in Christ without somebody to proclaim the truth. Now, I realize they can they could read the Bible for themselves. In, in, in the time of the Bible, there were not printed books. Somebody had to stand up and speak the truth in order for people to hear, and that's the context in which we're thinking. It's certainly possible for somebody to pick up a Bible, but then I guess, let's put it this way, they can't believe without somebody to give them a Bible, okay? Don't, don't beg the question with me today, I, I'm, I'm not in a mood to argue with you over that kind of stuff. There's got to be somebody who gets the truth to people so they can believe. But there's another person in this line, and it's the person called the sender. How shall they preach unless they are sent? And so when we think about how the ministry works, we say there there must be senders, preachers, and believers. Now, I I just want to just briefly help you to understand that everyone is supposed to be a believer. And by everyone, I mean everyone, because God says... And you can reference this in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. God says there's coming a day when there will be a judgment. And he will get out the books of man's works, and he will get out the the book called the book of life, and mankind will be judged by their works. Now, they won't be given admittance to heaven based on did they do enough good works. They will be condemned to hell by virtue of the fact that there is sin in their life. But those people written in the Lamb's book of life have had their sin forgiven because they've believed in Christ. That judgment day is coming. So if you are here today and you have never believed in Christ as your Savior, you need to do that because God will call you to account someday. That's why we went to Greece. That's why Helen is in Greece. Because people need to be believers in Christ. Salvation in Christ brings deliverance from hell and a transformed life now. There are many religious people in Greece. And by religious, I mean there are people who will say, oh yes, I'm a member of the Orthodox Church. They would even say, I go to the Orthodox Church. But when we think about going to church, we think about every Sunday. What they mean is, my baby was baptized, I was married, I'll be buried, and once in a while, maybe on Christmas, I'll go to a service. There are many religious people, but few genuine believers. The missionaries that we met in Greece say it is a very hard place to reach people for Christ. 
And consequently, when missionaries come from outside of Greece, they often don't last more than a couple of years. It's that hard of a place to work. People need Christ in Greece. The second thing that I want to understand, the second word that's on your paper, and I'm starting at the end and going backwards, we are all to be preachers. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This morning, uh, Chuck read Matthew 28, which says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We could have also read Acts 1.8, where Christ says, You will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. But I want to look at 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse uh, 18. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation is a word that's, that's often used in our society when people are divided over something. Perhaps there's an estranged marriage and they are going to be reconciled. God tells us that he and mankind are divided by a great gulf called sin. And it started with Adam and Eve. And the only way that God and man can come back together in a true relationship is as the sin is removed. This scripture tells us that Christ is the person who took that sin away. So now God and man can be together. And he says, to those of us who have already received this gift of reconciliation, God has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He has said, it is your job to help man and God come back together. That's what it means to be a preacher. It was a privilege for me to speak to that group of drug addicts, even if there was only three of them that came off the street. What a great privilege to say, your life doesn't have to be about ruin. Ruin now and hell later. No, it can be about new life now and heaven later. I asked the folks there, I asked if there's any fruit in the ministry. I mean, it's one thing to go out and round up some folks and give them a free hot dog. It's another thing to see people get saved. And I just asked if there was any fruit. And they said, oh, yes, did you see this guy and this guy and this guy? Well, basically, all the people who were helping in the ministry, other than the the missionary types, are drug drug addicts who have gotten saved and gotten their life squared away. I thought, what a great thing. And so there, you know, I, I preached the word, and then afterwards the meeting kind of broke up. Well, outside, here's a fella talking with a couple of these folks, and he, he's just really talking with them. You know, there's a guy who's been saved, and now he's trying to help them come together with God. That's what preachers are. They're people who introduce folks to God. We can't make converts. I understand that. But we are God's mouth. Now turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, please. 
there's one more step on your paper in how the ministry works, and that is the word sender. Romans 10 says the preachers have to be sent. And in Philippians 4, we have a marvelous example of the sending of the Apostle Paul and the support of the Apostle Paul. Philippians 4, verse 10. But I rejoice greatly in the Lord now at last that your care for me has flourished, though you did care, but you lacked an opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Uh, By the way, I would say that describes Helen. I don't know... I don't know much about all the circumstances of her life, but I know she lives in a college dorm room. And she told, she didn't show us her room, and I suspect that's because it's not heavily organized, because there's so much stuff in it. She talked about stuff, ministry stuff in there, but she said it wasn't as big as our room. And I thought, wow, that's where she lives. I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. She has to work like a beaver to drive the car she drives. The car's about that long, and it has manual steering and, and a manual transmission. And, and her little short arm just going like this. Man, I got tired just watching her drive the thing. Oh, I like my car. It is very dependable. And she's serious about that. I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be a base or to be low. I know how to abound or to be high. Everywhere and in all things I have learned to be full and to be hungry, to abound, to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you Philippians, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving except you. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and I abound and I'm full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We are all to be senders. In verse 14 and 15 here, Paul says to the Philippians, you have done well that you shared with us. And in verse 17, is one of the great privileges and promises that God gives us. He said, I'm not after the stuff you've sent, but what I'm after is the fruit that abounds to your account. If we have a responsibility to share the gospel with the whole world, and we do, then either we go or we send or we do both. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that there's no way you can go everywhere. So you've got to be a sender. We've sent Helen to Athens and she is helping disciple preachers. Now, now I hope you can get this picture in your mind. That, that woman that we saw, the last one on the screen, Viarica, she's from Moldova. Okay, It's over there near the stands. Uzbekistan and all those stands that used to be Soviet, part of the, so, the old Soviet Union. She speaks five languages. 
She grew up. She, she says, I think the Lord has given me a gift for it. She's never studied any of them except probably her native tongue in when she went to school. She speaks Ukrainian. She speaks Moldovan, whatever that is. She speaks Greek. She speaks English. And I think French. I can't remember what the other one was. She comes to the Bible college. She applies to the Bible college. And Helen helps her through the application process. In our country, we are so sophisticated and developed in the whole academic world that, you know, I'm going to overgeneralize. Everybody knows what it means to apply to go to college. And everybody kind of understands that, at least a little bit. Now, some people don't understand as well as others. But they're, folks, these are folks coming from the second world going to college, and they don't understand the process. And then when the, co the college is accredited with some United States organizations, so they're saying, you know, give us your transcript, you know, things like that. And they're going, what in the world? How do I do this? Helen helps her come to college. And she comes and learns at the Bible college. And, of course, the whole focus is going out and doing the ministry. And so she is both a student and serving in a ministry, a ministry to prostitutes in Athens. There are women from all over the world that are brought there under false pretenses of getting a job. And when they get there, they are essentially enslaved in prostitution. And there is a ministry that has developed, uh, in fact... Well, as she was one that was telling me about it, she is actually a staff person on the ministry. They go into the brothels. They have gotten acquainted with people, and, and she said, she said the, the, the pimps, and she didn't use that word, but she said they think we're going to come in and help these people be happier doing their job. And of course, they're not. They're, they're there to get them saved and to get them out and to get them a job and so on. But so they let them come in and they go into the brothels at night. Like Helen says, I can't do it anymore because I'm too old. They're out there at two in the morning. Now, remember, we sent Helen. Helen helps Viarica get into school, get trained, and she is now out helping prostitutes who are immigrant refugees from all over the world helping them come to know the Lord. Do you see the chain of the ministry? And what an incredible thing it is. Incredible. Helen helped a student named Phoebus. He's Greek, raised in Germany, speaks German, Greek, English, and I think a couple of other languages. He's a marvelously talented pianist, he loves doing music ministry and worship and children's ministry. He's active in child evangelism fellowship in Greece. He's a student at the Bible college. Helen helped him get into school and helped him through school. And he's going to be finished this year and he's looking to get into full-time ministry. One of the students you saw in a picture is an American who transferred from Moody Bible Institute He's over there doing a year abroad, learning the Greek language, among other things. And he said, I'm, I'm thinking about being a missionary. And I said, oh, what agency are you thinking about being with? ABWE. I said, well, here's my card. Come see us when you get home. What a marvelous thing. I mean, here's a guy from America who's a pastor's son. She's there. And he said, she, she helped me get connected through Facebook into the school and help me get through the admissions process. And I could go on and on. 
foreign missionaries like us don't last long in Greece. The nationals do last long because they not only understand the country, they have a tremendous commitment to the country. The way that we send missionaries is through praying and giving and encouraging. Helen told me more than once, boy, I appreciate people praying for me because there are many times when she doesn't like driving in downtown Athens. And it is, you would not like driving in downtown Athens. Maybe if you're a motorcycle guy, you'd like it because you can weave in and out of the cars. And they do. Uh, But... she's fearful at times, and there are things that are hard for her to do, and she appreciates our prayer. She appreciates our support. Do you know that she helps support other people from the money she gets? I don't know how she does it, but she does. Most of you probably haven't taken notice of a line on our financial report on the missions page which says, Widman Missions Fund. Uh, Ione, are you here? Where are you at? Nope, she's not here. Ione's parents, Ione Byron's parents, the Widmans, left a substantial amount of money to missions and our church when they died. And they used to take the interest off of that money back when you could make money on money and spend the interest on missions projects. And about the time I came here, you know, the interest rate went in the tank. And so we've been spending that money on various missions projects, including sending Jim and I over to see Helen. Now, here's a really, here's an incredible thought. Would you just think a minute about that verse that says, fruit that abounds to your account. The Widmans have been with the Lord for years, but their money is still doing the Lord's work. Can you imagine in heaven that God said, more fruit to your account, Widmans. Can you imagine that years after they're already with the Lord? Can you imagine that somehow we were part of, and and believe me, I, I have no delusions of grandeur here, but we were part of the process that led to somebody or will lead to somebody coming to the Lord someday in Greece. But the Widmans are the ones that sent us. God has called us to be senders. Our church has sent Helen. In the past, we, we, we sent Ralph and Margie. We, we sent uh, the Lancasters. We, we sent Iola. We've sent other people. We had a missionary conference recently, and you gave generously to the field of Togo, Brazil, Niger, and Kath Lamet. We had an outreach a couple of weeks ago where Tom Hoyle was here, and we, we supported that outreach with our dollars God says we ought to be senders, not just with money, but with our prayer and with our encouragement. We need to be senders. We need to be preachers so that there will be believers. There are three results from being senders in this passage. Verse 17 says, there is fruit that abounds to your account. And that means in heaven, there's treasure in heaven for you. But verse 18 and 19 give us two others. Verse 18 says, when you help send people to preach the gospel, it is an aroma that is pleasing to God. Do you ever wonder how to please God? Do you ever get up in the morning or go to bed at night and think, I wonder if I please God today. 
I got a guaranteed way for you to please God. Support his ministry around the world. And I'm not looking for money here. I hope you understand that. The Lord's blessed us. I'm talking about, I'm talking about serving as senders. Verse 19, and he also says this. And I hope you get this. He says, God is able to make all blessing abound toward you. He's able to take care of you. I want to read it. My God shall supply all your need. My parents used to say this phrase, and I didn't understand what they meant. They used to say, you can't outgive God. What? I can remember hearing them say that. Now I understand. One of the things that shocked the Christians, the, the ministry leaders that we talked to in Greece, whether it was at the college or at ministries we visited, they were shocked that an American church could afford to send two people to Greece. Um, I told them about the, mission, the offering we had for our missionary conference, and they were just like, oh, wow. They were just surprised. You know why we have money to send people to Greece? Because we're giving away what God gives to us. We're using what God gives to us for him. We're increasing our support to missions. We're having the missions conference. And I'm standing here saying, give to them, give to them. I'm not saying, keep it, keep it, keep it. And the more we give away, the more the Lord pours in. And that's true of you as individuals as well as us as a church. My God shall supply all your needs. I enjoyed this trip very much. I was in a fog the whole time, I think, because of the jet lag. I got to stand on something ancient that I've only ever seen in pictures. I got to eat Greek food in Greece. I got to eat a Big Mac in Greece. But I tell you honestly, I could go to Greece and skip all of that and just fellowship with the saints and preach the word because that's what makes life real. You can have all the tourism you want, but the reality of life is being a sender and a preacher and a believer. And I hope that's true of you today. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us to be believers. If there's somebody here who's never believed in Christ, help them to come to that faith today. And Father, for those of us that have, help us to be senders and help us to be preachers. Help us to encourage Helen in every way that we can. Help us to go and and help her and help the ministry over there in whatever way would be fruitful for you. Help us to be senders all over the world as you give us ability. I pray in Christ's name, amen.